Good morning, good morning, Rabotai. Welcome to breakfast in the class. Breakfast in the class today is dedicated in loving memory uh, and Lilu Nishmat Yosef Ben Chana, Allah Vashalom, during his Azkara week, sponsored by his son, Asha Al Kobi. Ruach Adonai, Tenichel Began Eden. As well, breakfast in the class is sponsored by David E. Ash, in honor of you <laughs> and your substantial and your substantial capacity to do good today and every day. It really speaks to the organization that he's really spent a lot of time setting up called Donate Your Time, where people uh, use all around the community, stand up and donate their time to various charities uh, to be able to give back in the be most beautiful way. Hazaku Baruch on this, on this initiative and on all the great things that you've partaken. I just also want to give a shout out to this unbelievable community that we are part of. You know, some, a couple people needed to put on uh, tefillin and the shul only had uh, four pairs of tefillin. There was two upstairs, two downstairs that were being used. So a couple people needed pairs of, extra pairs of tefillin. And we announced this morning, does anyone want to donate some pairs of tefillin that we should have in case people need? And I think by the, by the time we hit breakfast, we had six pairs of tefillin. Seven pairs of tefillin. Eight, eight pairs. Eight pairs of tefillin we have. Nine pairs of tefillin. This is unbelievable. Okay. I'm just wondering. I just feel chaval. We didn't say that we need some extra sifret Torah, by the way. Could you imagine that? Three, you know, yachnasat sefer Torah is what happened over here. Okay. Ezaku Baruch. As well, um, uh, there's, which again, beautiful minhag. And uh, I think uh, in the, in the, as time uh, rolls on, I'd like to as well, if anyone would like to uh, donate pairs of tefillin uh, to people who have never had a pair, people who are ba'alei teshuvah that want to join, that want to start putting on tefillin, but they don't have the money to be able to put on tefillin or mezuzot. There are, this is a wonderful tzedakah, wonderful wow. mitzvah for people to do, uh, to donate tefillin to people on the condition that they put it on every day uh, that they can. That's also something, if you want to let me know, uh, we'll, we'll put uh, a tefillin towards that great mitzvah. Baruch Adonai Le'olam, Amen Amen. Ten pairs, okay. A tenth pair, Zaku Baruch. That's a beautiful, beautiful, uh, a beautiful idea. Thank you so much. Okay, so, my friends, um, I want to share a line that we say all the time. Sammy, every day of Silichot, Sammy has led us fearlessly through the early morning cobwebs in the corners of our eyes as we wiped from our eyes all through the Silichot season I want to give a great shout out to Sammy who runs around giving out each line of the Silichot making sure that everyone gets involved Hazaku Baruch it was very very special all this time as Sammy points to you usually Sammy finds you in the exact moment you're spacing out and he goes hey next line and you're like next line I already know what page we're on but Sammy's always right there next to you Giving you his book and pointing you at what the next line is. His first day, Sammy was late. What do you think we're pointing it out for? sketchy, all right? So, Azaku Baruch Sammy for making sure that everyone gets involved in Selichot. Now, Sammy every day asks me to do and I do all the bits over there and then I stop and then I hand the ball back off to Sammy for the three point shot. What's the three point shot? Adonai melech, Adonai malach, Adonai melech, le'olam va'ed, Abu Sabi, inshallah. Right? 
Sammy leads the, the Pasuk of Hashem Melech, and he gives us a nice tune every day for those words. And those words, they accompany us through all of Selichot. They are in Shacharit every single day. They find themselves uh, as well in the liturgy for the high holidays as well. And I want to share, just for one minute, this idea of Hashem Melech in the context of Yom HaKippurim. Haba Aleinu Yisrael come uh, for us in peace and in Beracha. Hashem Melech means God is king. Hashem Malach is God was the king. Hashem Yimloch is God will be the king le'olam va'ed forever and ever. That's what the Pasuk means. God is the king. God was the king. God will be the king forever and ever. It's always funny. Whenever I see it translated in Hebrew, it's very holy. When I see it translated into English, it always makes me think, like, this is something a rapper would say. You know, <laughs> I'm the king. I was the king. I will be the king forever and ever. It's, like, it's, it's funny. It's an interesting thing now to say. Now, it's not God that says it about himself. We say it about Hashem. But what are these three iterations of God? Was the king. He will. He is the king. Who is the king? What was the king? Will be the king. And I, I want to point out something very, very interesting. It's not just that God is the king. It's more than that, really. It describes the fact uh, that God's king, his kingdom or his kingship is unique in nature. That there isn't another power. The idea of stressing that God is, was, and will be illustrates that there was no before, there is no end after. It illustrates the infinite nature, so to speak, of God. The fact that God doesn't have a start point or an end point. He doesn't get old, he doesn't get weak. He doesn't get replaced by some young buck God that comes along, some, some God he come lately, right? There's no such thing. It's, uh, it re relates to the infinite nature of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But really, I want to share that there's actually a, 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 a super defined difference between each one of these ste steps. Let's look for one minute at the Adonai Malach. God was the king before the world existed. In that space, when there was no universe, when there were no people, when there was no consciousness, when there was no life, all there was was an empty void. The uniqueness and the singularity of God was inherently defined. When you said that God is one, in the time before the world, the, the oneness of God, right, was by its very definition, God was one. There wasn't anything else. Not another power, not another country, not another toll booth collector, not another traffic cop, not another president, not another anything. God's oneness was absolute. And I love thinking for one minute, when I try and understand what it means that God runs the world, I cast my mind back to that time to be able to truly feel that even in our times, that's the truth. But then God takes uh, this absolute oneness of just himself and he creates a world with a multiplicity with billions of human beings, with billions of independent thinkers, with billions of independent actors, everyone thinking that they run and they are the masters of their own destiny. In that world, Hashem Melech is an unbelievable concept. That God could be the one power in this world is very, very tough 
to understand. But then we get to the final one, Amunai Yimloch Le'olam Va'ed. In the time of the Mashiach, when Mashiach comes, when the whole world will be united in the service of God, then God will once again be one. And it's so interesting to me, because if I had to ask you a question, at what point of these three points would you say that God's uniqueness, His oneness, was most pronounced? What would you say? What would you say? I think the most obvious answer would be the first one, which is before time, when there isn't anything else. But my friends, philosophically, that actually makes very little sense. Philosophically, the idea that God is oneness is one, is least shown in a time when there is nobody else. Does that make sense to you? So that's, on one hand, philosophically, there's a, uh, a, a problem, if you will, or a weakness in that illustration of one, okay? When it comes time for everyone, a world where a huge part of the world doesn't even believe in God, there also, there's some sense, if, if you will, in the deficiency of Hashem uh, Melech, of God being a king presently. The highest form of God's kingdom is when the entire world, with all of their disparate thoughts, with all of their different cultural uh, and uh, racial backgrounds, will unite. Again, think about what that means. When Mashiach comes, we're going to be sitting next to African Americans and Chinese Americans and the Sikhs and the Buddhists. Everyone. Right? What an unbelievable idea. And they will all become Aguda Echad, one uh, combined group of people that are doing to do the will of HaKadosh Baruch Hu in heaven. What an unbelievable idea that's going to be. What a fantastic time we are heading towards. Now, the reason why I took you down this path is because I want to give you a mashal. And through that mashal, I want to help perhaps all of us relate to Yom Kippur a little bit differently. Imagine these three times before existence, during, during existence and after Mashiach. I want you to imagine these three times like someone who takes a beautiful picture. They take a picture of themselves, beautiful. The light is perfect. Your hair, perfect. Not one of the hairs is out of place, assuming you have hair, okay? Yeah, now everything is great. The glasses are not wonky. Your, your eyebrows are beautiful, okay? Your nose, hair is trimmed. You know, you've cleanly shaven. You know, your shirt, everything is perfect, exactly as it should be. You take this picture. Everything's clear. That's God before creation. But then take this picture, bring it to one of those puzzle factories. They take the picture itself. They cut it up into a 5,000-piece jigsaw puzzle. They take all of those pieces, they stick it in a box, and they ship it to somebody's house. This guy had that opens the box, pours all the pieces out. What does it look like? The most the, the craziest jumbled mix-up of pieces you could ever imagine. Nothing makes sense. Because the pieces are so small, you don't know where anything goes. There's no coherency. There's nothing that comes together. That is the world that we live in the present world. Still made up of God. Still each piece with its... Uh, with, its, uh, with its distinct mission and purpose 
and, and without which you cannot draw the entire picture. And throughout history, historical evidence and uh, geopolitical forces force us to move you know, inexorably towards a final uh, picture where all of a sudden all the pieces come together. And now all those pieces, each one in their right place, we're back where we were, uh, where the uncut picture was, but now designed, created, uh, made by everyone, all of humanity. My friends, this world, this, these billions of people that we live with now, magnified by the billions and billions and probably trillions of people that have lived since the beginning of time, okay? Each one of those people has an expression of Adonai Melech. Their life, by the way, whether it was positive or negative, brings out the sound, the voice of Hashem Melech. It teaches you that God is the king. It could be a negative thing, and you look at this person's life with all the hedonistic pleasures they, they experienced, and then you watch this guy who was so powerful, who was so popular, who had so much money and so much everything, and you watched him throw his life away on drugs and alcohol and, and women and who knows what, until eventually nothing was left. You look at that guy and you say, look at what he lived his life for, and he has nothing, and he died with no one. Hashem Melech. That teaches you that godliness is king. The Chovot HaLevavot brings a remarkable example. He talks about a fellow who uh, goes on a boat. He takes his boat ride. And unfortunately something happens to the boat. He falls into the water. He's fighting for his life. And eventually he manages with the last vestiges of strength that he's got to swim up onto the shore uh, of an un unrecognizable land. He's never heard of this country. He's never seen this country. The people come to the, uh, to the, to the, to the beach. And before he can even say anything, you know, he's ready to ask them for help. Maybe they can give him a pair of clothes. All these people, they're cheering, they're yelling, they're screaming. They say, what's your name? And he says, my name is Shlomo. And they start screaming, long live Shlomo. He's like, what the heck is going on? They throw him up on their shoulders and they start dancing him from the beach through the streets of the city. And as they're dancing through the streets of the city, the voices get louder and louder. Long live Shlomo. And the guy is wondering what is going on over here. He has no clue what's happening. Finally, they get to the center of town. They throw him into one of these beautiful spas. They stick him into the, into the jacuzzi. Someone's massaging his shoulders. They're, you know, they're rubbing his feet. They're giving him, cutting his nails. They're combing his hair. Someone is sitting there, you know, giving him the best hairstyle. They take him out. They dress him in the most magnificent robes ever. And then before he can even think, they push him out on a balcony. And he looks down on the balcony. And there's uh, hundreds of thousands of people there. And together they're screaming, Oh! Haddad's losing his mind. He says, what's going on? He said, you know, we have a tradition over here. We appoint, uh, you know, a king when, you know, every once in a while. And now we were looking for a king and you're the person. You were chosen. The guy says, come on, I was the king. I'm a shipwreck. What are you talking about? I, you know, I, I was traveling the seas trying to find my shiduch, my nasib in another country. You know, I wound up over here. You're telling me I'm the king? But you know what? Slowly it sinks in. And he has his first state dinner. 
and then they, they prep him on the Security Council, and they introduce him to the generals, and the police, head of police, and the guy realizes these people are serious. He doesn't know why, but he's the king. Great riches, great power. And the next morning he wakes up, you know, he eats breakfast, he goes downstairs and he has all of his day's meetings. Very quickly, he gets into the swing of things. He starts hearing about the people's problems, you know, and he thinks of a good solution. He's, this is amazing. He's rolling. And he has a problem with the thing. They take him to a school. His heart is breaking. There's orphans in the school. He says, well, you know, do we have money? They tell him, sure, absolutely. You know, in your royal storehouse, you have $74 billion, no problem. How much does it cost to take care of this school? They tell him, oh, uh, 200000 He says, no problem. Show me the check. This is easy money. He writes out a check, $200,000. The kids are crying, they're kissing his feet. He feels like a, a mil... The guy feels amazing. Very quickly, Shlomo becomes the king of this whole country. But he doesn't understand. Who was the king before him? Where is the king before him? Where's the history of this country about the leaders that came? And no one will say anything. They always evade the question. He starts thinking to himself, Shibiflej. Maybe they killed the kings. Maybe that's why I can't find anybody. He asks everybody, no one answers, it's the best kept secret in the whole island is what happened to the kings that came before him. Until finally he comes up with a plan. He starts investing in one guy. He buys him gifts, he promotes him, he eats every breakfast, lunch and dinner with the guy. You know, he goes out, if he has a night on the town, had as the king's wingman, okay? Uh, he makes him t-shirts, hashtag, hashtag king wing, amazing, okay? The guy is his best friend. One night, late at night, over a bottle of 30-year-old uh, scotch, he says, look, you know, you and I, we're friends. The guy says, yeah, best friends. He says, you got to tell me what, what happened to the king before me. The guy says, look, if they find out I told you, they'll kill me. He says, but look, you know, you treated me this way. What is a friend going to do but tell you the truth? He says, I'll tell you the truth. He says, every year, we wait for a foreigner to come to this country. We don't want anyone from here to be a king, so none of us should fight for it. We shouldn't have political uh, advertisements on the campaign. You know, this campaign has been paid for for David for King. None of that. We want, it's always going to be a foreigner, a person who's not stuck in the thinking of the island. And every year, what happens is, we take the old king, as soon as we see someone new, we quickly clear all of his stuff out of the palace, take everything away, and we stick him on a boat on the other side of the island, and we send him back home. And he can't take anything with him. First class ticket, but no luggage. Yani, one of those economy first class tickets, you can't take nothing with you. Okay? Spirit first class. Okay? <laughs> right? All right? They're like, sir, can we get you anything for money? <laughs> okay? Right? Amazing. The guy gets sent home every day at the end of every year. But he can't take nothing with him. The king says, oh, thank you very much. Don't worry, I won't tell anybody. Every morning, from then on, the king went about his duties. But every single morning, they would see, if uh, people were up early enough, there was a horse with a wagon that would go from the castle to the beach, to a boat. They would unload a box uh, covered in black on the thing. They would send it on the boat every morning. Another box, another box, another box. They have no idea, but it's the king. No one could ask any questions. Every morning a box. The end of the year comes and they tell the king, surprise! Someone washed up on the other side of the island. And it is the custom on this island 
and they're ready for the screaming and the yelling and the protesting that they had with every other king. And the man says, no problem. What's he been doing from the day he found out? He's been sending boxes of diamonds and crowns and scepters and money and Bitcoin. I don't know what he's been sending. Have this been sending back home to his country? He says, no problem. Send me back to my country, Switzerland. <laughs> right? Send me back to my country. Uh, uh, you know, thank you so much. This has been the adventure of my life. Had that goes back to Switzerland, he becomes the king of Switzerland. Okay? You understand? Says the Chovot Alevavot, that is every person in this world. You come to this world, you wash up on its shores, you think you're the king of the world. And the world is there to serve you. And you know what? You do amazing things. And you go to a restaurant and you just order someone around. Think about that. Someone brings you your food. And you pay the price, you give your money, you give your attention, you give your, you give your love, and you feel each time like king of the world, king for a day. And then comes a time and a person goes, to, it's time to go to the next world, and they tell him, you have a first class ticket. The angels are going to take you there, Ya'ani. Okay? But you can't take a thing with you. And the guy, as he pulls away from the island, thinks to himself, oh, I wish I wouldn't have bought the caviar. I wish I wouldn't have spent the money on the robes. I wish I would have sent something. I'm going to arrive to this new place, and I'm not going to have anything. So too, says the Chovot HaLevavot, people arrive in the next world, and they have nothing after they prepared from this world. They can't take anything with them, and they, and they didn't prepare for it. My friends, that's the example of the Chovot HaLevavot. I'd like to change it for one second, because I think some of us relate to this idea of Olam Haba, and some of us, maybe it doesn't speak to us so much. But I, I always say this, Olam Haba doesn't just mean the next world, Ya'ani, the spiritual world, the world of souls that comes after this world. Olam Haba also means the next stage of your life. You know, if you spent every dollar you had as a single guy, when you start your new world, the world of marriage, you don't have a dime to put down on the house. You don't have a dime to spend on your wife. You know why? Because the second you had a payday, you went on a boy's holiday. The second you had a payday, you bought, you know, custom-made suit. Second you had a payday, you upgraded your lease. You understand? At each stage of your life, a person has the olam hazeh, the current state of affairs that they're in, and they have the olam about what comes next. My friends, long-term investments are olam haba thinking. So when you spend your money, if you think about a long-term investment, you don't wind up poor in your old age. You have a retirement plan. You have money to send your kids to school. You have money to do the things to marry off your children. But my friends, it's not just about the money. You know, you want to feel like a king in that moment, in a moment of anger. You want someone to feel your power, so you yell. You invested in that moment, and you felt like a king for a minute. But if you want to feel like a king later, you want to actually have that relationship that you just broke, then you give up on the feelings, the trappings of a king in the olam hazeh, in this moment, for the olam haba, for what comes next. You save for, for a sunny day, okay? Sunny day, a rainy day, depending on if you live in London, okay? Do you understand, my friends? This idea, the concept 
of living and understanding that this world, ultimately, there was a clear picture of how things were supposed to be. And then Borei Olam, he cut it up into a million tiny pieces, a billion tiny pieces. And your world is that puzzle. The various pieces that come your way, a disgruntled employee, your wife is upset, you're having a difficult time with something, all of those are pieces. And when you find the piece that it fits with, things start to make sense. But you have people, they look at the piece that they've got, they can't feel where it goes, so what do they do? I don't know where this goes. They throw it in the garbage. They light it on fire and they sit there and they you know, warm their hands by its warmth for two seconds. And then when the time comes for the picture to be made, they're missing a whole bunch of pieces. You only have a finite amount of emotional money to spend. You spent it all at the office, you have nothing left when you come home. You come home exhausted, you have no investments left for your wife and your kids. That's being king now versus being king later. My friends, we have an opportunity on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, not just to think of what did I do right and what I do wrong. That's like looking at one piece of the puzzle and saying, oh, this is so beautiful. Look, it has white here, has blue here, has yellow there. Look at how magnificent this piece is. Walking around to everyone and saying, look at this piece. Look, shuf, it's so nice, it's so beautiful. Thinking to ourselves, why is it yellow? Why is it blue? Why is it white? Is actually a much smarter way to go about understanding this piece of the puzzle's place in the broader picture. What are you doing for the community? Why did God give you the skills or the challenges that he gave you? Why are you misshapen? How come part of you is irregular? This bit that you don't understand, this difficult scenario that you can't figure out, why would God make it? How come things are not smooth and even? And the answer is because that's what it looked like in Hashem Malach. In Hashem Melech, there's a lot of irregular edges. And figuring out where those edges go is part of creating to fix the world into a kingdom of God. What are you bringing to the broadest picture? How much clarity are you bringing? And a good person is a person who makes sure that their peace is good. A better person is a person who figures out where their peace goes. But the best person is the person who after figuring out where their peace goes, sits next to the person who's sitting there with their peace and can't figure out what to do. They're unhappy, they're unfulfilled, they don't understand what to do, they're crying over spilled milk. You turn to the guy and you say, look, Rohi, let me, I think your peace fits over here. That's the job of the Mizakeh Harabim, of a true Jew, is to not only figure out what their point is and their place is, but to be or lagoim, to turn the lights on for everyone around them so that this place, this world, could ultimately come to its highest point of fruition. May God bless us on this Yom HaKippurim to evade the deen by God saying, even if I want, I couldn't take this guy. You know why? He's so important to his wife. He's irreplaceable to his friends. What will the synagogue do if we don't have him? And through that process, HaKadosh Baruch Hu blesses us with all the good things that are written in his Sifre HaChaim and his Sifre Berachah. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. 